0: Lord, may the words of my mouth and meditation of our hearts be acceptable in your sight. O Lord, our rock and our redeemer, Holy Spirit, speak again through your word as you do, as you promised to, that you would create faith, create hope in us, and equip us for your service and help us to cling to you, Jesus, who lived and died and rose for us in his name. Thanks for coming back every week this summer, some of you, after we've looked at some pretty strange or not familiar Bible stories. Last week was very familiar, and I promise this week is probably very obscure. So I would say this is a top list of, never heard of it, never heard it before, it's the name of the series. We're into the book of Judges, which we'll come back to in a few weeks. The most famous one is Samson. We'll look at him in a couple weeks Today is a guy named Jephthah. Who is he? Right, yeah, shaking, that's right, I don't know. The book of Judges aren't people, you know, at deaths with black robes that we often think of. When we think of Judges in our own land, where we live in our own culture, they were these kind of local warlords. In some ways, uh, strong men, charismatic, except there was a woman, strong man and woman, Deborah, uh, that were these kind of mostly warlordy, charismatic leaders that could control the area and keep the peace, not because they were great people, but because they were strong enough to keep the peace. And God used them. And they were very flawed people. And yet God used them. And so, judges, after their, God's people are out of Egypt, they've spent their time in the wilderness, they're coming into the promised land, and they just don't do the one thing God says. Worship and trust me and me alone and have no other gods. And they don't. They don't trust him. So the Judges is showing this downward spiral of kind of everything going wrong. And so when people say, well, uh, you know, th- something, that's in the Bible, so, you know, which means you should do it or it's a good thing or something. No, there's a lot of bad examples in the Bible. And the book of Judges is nearly one giant bad example of people not doing God's will or not trusting God. And so uh, today you will read about a very bad example. Let's get to it. It's pretty long, so I, uh, and Jephthah has a lot more chapters on them, so the shortened version is what I printed for you. Now Jephthah the Gileadite was a mighty warrior, but he was the son of a prostitute. Gilead was the father of Jephthah, and Gilead's wife also bore him sons. And when his sons, wife's sons grew up, They drove Jephthah out and said to him, You shall not have an inheritance in our father's house, for you are the son of another woman. Then Jephthah fled from his brothers and lived in the land of Tob, and worthless fellows collected around Jephthah and went out with him. After a time, the Ammonites made war against Israel. When the Ammonites made war against Israel, the elders of Gilead went to bring Jephthah from the land of Tob. And they said to Jephthah, Come, be our leader, that we may fight with the Ammonites. But Jephthah said to the elders of Gilead, Did you not hate me and drive me out of my father's house? Why have you come to me now when you're in distress? The elders of Gilead said to Jephthah, That is why we have turned to you now, that you may go with us and fight with the Ammonites and be our head over all the inhabitants of Gilead. And Jephthah said to the elders of Gilead, If you bring me home again to fight with the Ammonites, and the Lord gives them over to me, I will be your head. And the elders of Gilead said to Jephthah, The Lord will be witness between us if we do not do as you say. So Jephthah went, and with the elders of Gilead and and the people, made him head and leader over them. And Jephthah spoke all these words before the Lord at Mizpah. Okay, skipping A story or two to verse 29. Then the spirit of the Lord was upon Jephthah, and he passed through Gilead and Manasseh, and passed on to Mizpah of Gilead, and from Mizpah of Gilead he passed on to the Ammonites. And Jephthah made a vow to the Lord and said, If you give the Ammonites into my hand, then whatever comes out of the doors of my house to meet me, when I return in peace from the Ammonites, shall be the Lord's. I will offer it up for a burnt offering. So Jephthah crossed over to the Ammonites to fight against them, and the Lord gave them into his hand, and he struck them from Aror to the neighborhood of Minnith, twenty cities, and as far as Abel Keremim with a great blow. So the Ammonites were subdued before the people of Israel. And Jephthah came to his home at Mizpah, and behold, his daughter. "'came out to meet him with tambourines and with dances. "'She was his only child. "'Beside her, he had neither son nor daughter, "'and as soon as he saw her, he tore his clothes and said, "'Alas, my daughter, you have brought me very low, "'and you have become the cause of great trouble to me. "'For I have opened my mouth to the Lord, "'and I cannot take back my vow.' "'And she said, Father, you have opened your mouth to the Lord. "'Do to me according to what has gone out of your mouth.' Now that the Lord has avenged you on your enemies, on the Ammonites. So she said to her father, Let this thing be done to me. Leave me alone two months, that I may go up and down on the mountains and weep for my virginity, I and my companions. So he said, Go. Then he sent her away for two months, and she departed. She and her companions, and they wept for her virginity on the mountains. And at the end of two months, she returned to her father, who did with her according to his vow that he had made. She had never known a man, and it became custom in Israel that the daughters of Israel went year by year to lament the daughter of Jephthah the Gileadite four days in the year. This is the word of the Lord. <laughs> Thanks be admittedly, some strange word of the Lord. <laughs> What do we make of such a strange and challenging story? We can admit, first of all, that it's strange and and challenging. But make no mistake, the book of Judges and Jephthah, there are a lot of bad examples. It's not, here's a hero, be like him. And you have very complicated people with complicated faiths. In one sentence, the spirit of the Lord is on him and he he trusts in the Lord and then another makes a really, really strange, terrible, rash vow. So what's going on? Okay, uh, Jephthah is born and you heard a bit of his biography from a one-night stand from his dad and his mom who is for hire. And you can see that Uh, The shame that others piled on him was something he never outlived. And so when the chance to uh, be their leader, those who that kicked him out of the family, you can see this kind of little man syndrome, right? I I finally need to reclaim some amount of glory. And he has that opportunity, and he's clearly been a a fighter because they they want him and need him. And and so they go get him, and he's like, ah, you're going to bring me back, and I'm going to rule over, over you. And so he has to win and he has to win now so what does he do he makes a strange vow cuz he still uh, somehow trusts in the true god which is the uh, part of the complicated challenge as well is why i don't quite understand that but i don't i don't have to for this to help us and teach us and so he makes this strange vow and says, God, if you, if you give us victory, I mean, this is all I've ever wanted is for all these people that have treated me so poorly to finally owe me and uh, look up to me. God, I need this. Uh, if you give me victory, uh, I'll, I'll sacrifice, you know, the first thing that comes out of my house. A pause. He was only ever thinking an animal. Houses then are kind of like houses in, in Jesus' day were similar, probably like a long shotgun apartment, and on one end was a little lower, steps down, almost like a breezeway mud room. And if you're uh quite poor, like almost everybody was, your prized possession, prized animal, be it a cow or donkey, something larger, you brought in at night and you tied it up. And they in the winter they gave heat and they you know ate in there and, and Maybe you had two, a few, but very few. Your your most valuable, largest ones, livestock. And then in the morning, you take them out and tie them back out. So the first thing that comes out of your house is almost always going to be taking an animal out. He was only ever thinking that, but he wasn't thinking. God, whatever it is, whatever comes out first, I, I'll, I'll sacrifice it to you. I, I need this. I have to win. And so then terribly. It's his daughter. And it gets even more complicated to me. Well, So he, he trusts God enough to say, I, I have to keep this vow. And yet we look at it and go, that's terrible. What, what on earth, Why on earth would you even consider that? So it brings up first a number of things just about this vow. And then uh, let me mention about four things, and then it, we'll kind of get to where we're going. But the first thing is does God approve? Well, no. And you wonder if uh, Jephthah knows the scriptures already. All the things God has said in Leviticus, Deuteronomy, doesn't he know God says don't, don't murder? Or doesn't he know God has said over and over again, the other peoples in this land do make child sacrifice to their gods and you will not. I am not like that and you will not be like that. And so, No, doesn't he know that that pagans do that, others do, we, we don't, God's people don't do that. So Jeff I misunderstood God's character in great ways. But another way he misunderstood God's character is this, can you simply manipulate God into getting your way just by making a silly vow? No, but have you tried it anyway at some point? Be honest. Right? In the middle of the game, near the end of the game, oh God, please! If my team wins the Super Bowl, I'll go to church every Sunday for the rest of my life. I'll never miss. <laughs> Except if you're from like Michigan Lions fans, you've never been in a situation to remotely make that vow. <laughs> but something similar, right? Or you uh, aren't paying attention and you whiz by the police officer on the highway, and you're, oh no, God, please, please don't let him see me! Please don't let him see me! Please. Oh, they saw me. Oh, please let them have mercy on me. They're pulling me over. Please, Lord, no ticket. Please, just a warning. I'll go, I'll, you know, give to this group. I'll, we make all sorts. Ever done something in the moment? Strange, right? So even though it might be not as morbid as this, mm-hmm, not that all that different at times, right? Because you want something now, and that's all you can think about. How do I get this thing now? But God, I'm pretty sure God isn't so manipulated by us making silly vows. God is good. God is gracious. God hears our prayer. God wants to know our wants, our desires, our needs. And God will answer our prayers out of his love, out of his wisdom. And sometimes it's yes, and sometimes it's no. But God's not simply manipulated by, oh, you're, you're going to never speed again? Sure, I'll get, I'll get you off the hook this one time. no. Now, another thing about this vow I already mentioned, and, and that's it's a challenge to me that Jephthah somehow still then trust God enough to know God is real and God is serious, that, that if you make a vow to God, you better keep it. So for this very flawed faith and flawed human, his God is still big. Okay, another thing that this vow, a third thing this vow teaches me, that is this, we are connected. We are a community Sometimes, yes, on a larger level, but many people, your, your family, your friends, your coworkers, others, there are many connected to you, and what you do affects other people. Almost nothing we do only affects me. Big decisions, little decisions, and that can go for good or for evil. You can bless people, and that can become a blessing to others. That's what God told Abraham he wants his people to be. Bless you so that you might be a blessing to others. But when we sin against other people, it can have large ripple effects too. And so my poor judgment and your poor judgment can have consequences on other people. If you got into a passenger seat of a vehicle today or recently, you have put your trust in someone else's judgment if you're the one driving, your good judgment affects other people. And if you get into the seat, that's not the pilot seat of an airplane, you're putting your trust in that person's training and good judgment no matter what might happen. So what we do affects other people. And then I would say maybe lastly the big question people often ask about this story is did he actually follow through? Did he, actually, did he actually kill his daughter, sacrifice it? That seems so morbid. The real answer is we don't know. We don't know. And I think if you read up on it over the history of the church, we don't know, but it makes us so uncomfortable. We, we want to make up things like there's no way he could have, and we make up all these things, which essentially misses the point, and the point is this, we don't have to know the answer to have this story truly uh, work on our hearts and uh, do some good work in us, because when we look at this, we, we can see how bad of an example Jephthah is, even as he's trying to be faithful to God. So you don't need to know the answer to, did he actually follow through, to know how terrible of judgment it was in the first place, how distrusting of God in one sense, and in some ways, how our hearts, when gripped by sinful desire of, of something, we can lose all sense of everything else, right? When we want something, we want something, and we don't want anything to get in our way. And so on the one hand, we can start by reading this and saying, man, this, this must be old and ancient. And I can't believe it's in the Bible. It's, it's offensive. I, I don't like it. I, I there's no way this could have happened. If you pre- press pause on that and just dig a little deeper, I wonder how many of our hearts are really all that different. That when it gets right down to it, sometimes you want something so bad that in the moment you'll say, I'll give anything for it. I want it now. You see, I think when you boil it down, our hearts aren't all that different. If we're truly honest, right? If you get right down to it, what did Jephthah do? He sacrificed tomorrow's blessing on the altar of today. That's it. Tomorrow's blessing of Trusting your skill, that he's a warrior and the people that are helping and fighting. and Trusting God, that God will do what you've prayed and asked God, and he will do what he thinks is good and right. That would be tomorrow's blessing and being faithful today and seeing the blessings. No, he sacrificed tomorrow's blessing on the altar of now. He sacrificed future blessings, and in his case, lineage, He had no sons. He had one daughter. And now there will be no family tree, no lineage, no one to to pass on your name, your your heritage. He sacrificed a lot of tomorrows on the altar of today. He sacrificed his future on the altar of the present. Have you ever done that? Have you ever made a decision that I just want this now? And maybe not even seen all of the repercussions that are going to come. You see, Jephthah got the short-term gain. They did win. But he got a whole lot of long-term pain and heartache and other people suffering because of his poor decision. Have you ever done that? Have you ever bought something because you wanted it now? Right? And it's easier than ever if you just got to swipe a piece of plastic or just go online, buy it now, and then you paid for it for a long time. And maybe so long that you uh, looked at the uh, credit card bill and saw the interest and h- how on earth can they charge so much interest on the thing I bought and you're paying for it for a long time. And how many other financial ways can we or are we capable of sacrificing tomorrow's blessings on the altar of having it today? Or what about our Our health. How many of us, in big ways or in small ways, sacrifice tomorrow's health for today's fun? Or maybe today's headache is the result of yesterday's alleged good time. Or today's guilt and shame is from yesterday's alleged pleasure. Or even relationships, if you're always uh, doing what's only best for you, and not your spouse, or not your kids, or not other people that God has connected to you to take care of, you can sacrifice your future relationships on the altar of me and I, and I want this now. Or uh, this feels good, I must have this now, not God, I trust you for future and the future blessings you want to give me, and I will wait. Do you see that nearly every Sin that you and I have ever indulged in is essentially the same pattern? It is, right? Nearly every sin we've ever indulged in is essentially the same pattern that is, short term pleasure and long term pain and regret. Big promise, sin promises big you need this now, your life will be better, you have to have this, short-lived payoff, never as big as it promised, and then long-term regret and pain and hurt, and sometimes a whole lot of collateral damage. Have you ever sacrificed something of your future on the altar of, I want it now? Now, when I put the story of Jephthah in terms like that, yeah, that's me, right, So something that seems so uh, outdated, ancient, and foreign becomes very, very, very real, doesn't it? But also, when I see something as uh, blatantly bad as him, it helps you see good, right? Sometimes I I tell my kids, hey, uh, some people in your class are going to be really bad examples of things. Sometimes you need to be the opposite of that, <laughs> those people. Don't, don't be like that. Sometimes bad examples tell you what the good one is. And as I said, the book of Judges really is that. You don't go there looking for this person because they were a good example of faith and we should be like them. You'll find a, a whole lot of broken people that, yes, it says they, they were trying to follow the Lord, but then uh, did some very terrible things and One thing is there's so much grace in there that God still worked through very terrible, very flawed, broken people. Because God is gracious, God is good, God is the faithful one that still was present and protected his people and gave them peace from their enemies and used very flawed people. But also, when we see so many bad examples, it makes the good ones stick out like an oasis in the desert. And if you scan the whole Bible... Looking for good examples, you'll you'll only find them in spots here and there. Until you get to Jesus, there's only one truly good example. And, And he sticks out so good. You see, Jesus was tempted in his own ways towards short term gain and short term glory. So, in some ways, he faced what Jephthah faced, he faced what you and I face. Remember at the beginning of his ministry, when he's praying in the wilderness, the devil comes to him and says, ah, you're hungry? Hey, here's some stones. Poof, make them into bread. Solve your problems right now. Jesus said, no. Or bow down to me and I'll I'll give you everything. Or, hey, prove that you're the son of God. Jump off, do this little trick, and, and prove it. Jesus, and Jesus alone was faithful and would have none of it. But then when Jesus was being arrested in the garden and Peter cuts off, grabs a sword and wants to defend Jesus, cuts off the ear of one of the high priest's servants and Jesus heals that person, but then says to he says, look, I could call down countless angels to come to my protection right now, but I won't do it. Why not? Because as Hebrews 12 says to us, Therefore, since we are surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses, and by the way, I didn't read it this week, last week we read Hebrews 11, Jephthah is mentioned in Hebrews 11 in that great cloud of witnesses as one who lived by faith, and it puzzles me because you have to conclude that he's in there not because he did good, but he trusted God, even in his very broken flawed life okay but Hebrews 11 says let us also lay aside every weight and the sin that clings so closely oh yes it will and let us run with endurance the race set before us looking to Jesus Jesus he is the one good fully good example the one good one looking to Jesus the founder and perfecter of our faith who for the joy set before him endured the cross what does that Jesus, for the joy set before him, endured the cross. That means joy was something long-term because the cross was short-term. And to take a, an easy way out meant not going to the cross with cosmic consequences. It says, Jesus, for the joy set before him, endured the cross, despising its shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Jesus, for the joy And what is the joy set before Jesus that he would go through the cross? What is it? It's you. It's me. It's looking at at a broken world, and, and yes, people as broken as Jephthah and you and me, and saying, I want them back. The good shepherd who goes and finds wandering sheep to restore your heart and our world and one day make it whole and to forgive every last worst decision you've ever made. Jesus, for the joy set before him, endured the cross and bled and died. The joy set before Jesus was long-term having you and be back in his kingdom as his children. And the joy of not holding your worst mistake against you. For the joy of welcoming broken sinners who might wander far from God's kingdom to welcome them back. You see, your future, today, tomorrow, and further on, depends far more on what Jesus has done for you than anything you have done. And that's what the gospel is. It's not if I'm I'm good enough. It's because Jesus us, Jesus, for the joy set before him of having you and I back in his family and forgiving you and making us whole endured the cross. And So that every last time you and I sacrifice tomorrow's blessings on the altar of today's bad decision because we want it now, Jesus bled and died. And when you fail, Jesus will forgive you. But when you trust him, he'll lead you. He'll lead you as he is your good shepherd. So that means your future today, starting today, your future depends far more on what Jesus, the one good example, has done for you and gives to you more than anything you and I have done. Let's pray. Lord Jesus. Do thank you that we can look to you and you alone as our good God, our good shepherd, our good, yes, example, but you're only that because you are our Savior who lived and died in our place. And Lord, as we look at some strange people and strange stories in your word, Help us to see you, Jesus. That you are the one who has been fully faithful, and you are the one that fully forgives, and you are the one that fully leads us. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Holy Spirit, we ask you to continue to grow us, to trust you, and as we trust you to walk in faithfulness. We ask you to, Holy Spirit, to fill your church this place Zion and your church in our community in our country and in the world that we might be faithful in word and deed Lord in your mercy almighty God would you bless our leaders appointed elected local state national all who have authority over others in government bless them with integrity that they might lead in justice, and serve for the good of those whom they serve, Lord, in your mercy. And God of healing, come near to those who are in need of healing. You know their names, you know their needs. Come near and grant it to them in your wisdom and in your goodness. Lord, in your mercy, we pray all this in the name of Jesus, who lived and died and rose for us.